time. I hope you're having a good time. I have a good time preparing, and I enjoy the teaching of it. And so thank you for your faithfulness here on Wednesday night. And uh, try to make every minute count when you come on Wednesday. How many? Well, I'll start to say how many haven't had supper yet. I'm not going to ask that question. Uh, anyway, uh, by the way, I trust the Lord is helping you, sustaining you. I know many of you are uh, different degrees are fasting and praying and and I'm praying over your requests that you've given. If you've given me requests, I'm praying over those. And um, I certainly welcome anyone who may still want to share one with me. And writing is the best way, if you don't mind. And I'll pray over that for you. Father, bless now as we jump back into thy precious word. Give us wisdom tonight from your book of wisdom. Fill me with the Holy Spirit to communicate well. And speak to all of our hearts. From mind, every person in the room. Mold us into the image of Christ. Make us what we ought to be. Build our character, our Christian character, uh, as we study the Word of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs in chapter number 10. Everybody get your Bible out. If you don't have your Bible, slide over next to somebody and uh, look along with them. Proverbs chapter 10. And we're in, again, this section uh, of uh, individual Proverbs and uh, and uh, trying to pull out uh, as much as possible, one primary thought from each verse uh, as a way uh, to help you uh, encapsulate a truth from each verse. We're in verse number 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. You notice how the Bible, uh, how God repeats himself uh, and says uh, throughout the word of God, the same thing in different ways. This phrase right here is repeated in the book of Proverbs on more than uh, a, a couple of occasions. And uh, it's a theme. And, uh, and, and here it is. It's real simple. Let me give you this one. Live right, live longer. Exclamation point. Okay. Make sure you put the exclamation point on there if you're taking notes. Live right, live longer. I mean, uh, 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 a wicked way of living is a destructive way of living. And, um, and, uh, and so, uh, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Elsewhere, the Bible says they'll be cut off, be cut off. Um, um, you know, and we crave for justice, don't we? We crave for justice. We see so much injustice and so much hypocrisy and so much dishonesty. But let's just all remember, there's a righteous judge in heaven, and nobody, including me and you, is getting by with anything, okay? We all must give account. And Bob said, even every idle word. Well, I was, I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't really saying that on purpose, you know. Every idle word. We'll give an account, the Bible said. Remember Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, my son. Forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. Three things are promised right there. Uh, longevity, long life. Peace, a peaceful life. But then length of days is uh, very similar to the phrase we have here. And it includes something more than longevity. Length of days is lengthening a day. All right? If you stretch a day, you're more productive. And so in that particular passage, long life and length of days are mentioned. I believe the one's talking about productivity, the other's talking about long life. And so uh, if you respect, and, I, and by the way, fear of the Lord, don't fear what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord 
is it's a consciousness of God. You know, so you look at sometimes some things people do and say, how, how can you do that? Have you no fear of God? You have no thought of God in their mind. The Bible's the wicked don't even like to retain God in their knowledge. They don't want to think about it. That's why they get offended when you put up a manger scene or a cross in the middle of whatever state it was, right in the middle of the Midwest. It's been up there for 50 years honoring our veterans, and somebody comes along and says, I'm, you know, it's 100 miles from civilization or whatever it is. And they're offended. Uh, they don't want anything at all to remind them of God. Because if there's a God, you have to answer to him. And so, but the fear of the Lord will make you more productive, longevity, a peaceful life. And so think of God and have a, a reverential respect for God. That's why uh, fear of God, listen, no Christian. I don't think anybody in this room, certainly nobody in this room would. But no Christian ever, ever, ever will take God's name in vain. Never, never. Fear the Lord more than that. Don't get caught up in Christian cuss words either. I don't like them either. If it's supposed to sound like Jesus, then you probably ought not use it. You know what I'm saying? If it's supposed to sound like God, then probably not a good idea for you. All in favor? I, and I know sometimes, I got preacher friends that do it, quite frankly. And I don't scold them. I'm not their preacher, but I am your preacher. So I'm telling you, amen. And I don't think that's wise for a Christian. I don't want to sound like a cuss word anyway. Uh, verse number 28. The Bible says, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. It's a very similar words, the word hope there in the beginning, and then the word expectation. That word expectation is actually it's eight times translated some form of expected expectation. But it's 23 times translated hope. And so, um, again, the second phrase in most of these Proverbs emphasizes or contrasts the first phrase. So let's just say it this way. The righteous have hope. The righteous have hope. Isn't that good? Amen. The righteous have hope. Hope in life. Hope in eternity. Uh, This is certainly not original with me, but I have used it on several occasions. I don't remember I first heard it. But more than a few times, I have said to someone, I don't believe in all that. And, uh, you know, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven and hell. Whatever. And I say, you know what? You can, you can try this. And uh, you, you, you can tell them. I got this from my preacher who got it from who knows where. But a person like that, you can tell them. You know what? If you're right, if we die and that's it. There's no heaven, no hell. There's no afterlife. We're just like a dog or a cat or a tree. We just did. Then you know what? I haven't lost anything. But if we die and there is an eternity, and the Bible is true, and Jesus Christ did walk this earth 2,000 years ago, and there is a heaven and there is a hell, then you have everything to lose. And you know what? The righteous have hope. What hope is there in life if you're just dead? I mean, you're just dead and that's it. What sense is that? What, what what hope is there? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven said it this way: For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Same word used in both these passages, the one that's translated hope so many times. Oh, what a hopeful end we have! Amen. It, we say, all's well that ends well. I guess we could say that for the Christian life. All's well that ends well. How many of you are born again tonight? Amen. I'm born again. Going to heaven. Amen. It ends well. 
It ends well. Thank God for that. Verse 29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. But destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. These are very similar, aren't they? Very similar. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. That's the straightforward. That's the, the guy that does the right thing. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Here's a little phrase for you. Right? Did I give you verse 28? Did I give you the phrase? Righteous have hope. Okay. Here we go. Verse 29. Righteousness begats strength. Righteousness begats strength. You know, there's, uh, in all these years of pastoring, the Christmas season with, I don't think there's any exceptions to what I'm going to say. Uh, there may be, but I don't think so. The Christmas season, the holiday season, all these years has snagged somebody or sometimes several somebodies. I'm talking about somebody who was chugging along, chugging along. Sunday school, church, chugga, 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 chugga. Christmas time comes. We're going here, we're going there. We're going to do this, have this special thing. And then getting back is like... It just... What happens? You get out of sync. Listen, there's something about momentum in the Christian life. Amen? Build on what God's already given you. And what you're doing, build on it. When you do right, you will build momentum. You'll gain strength. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. Going the right way will we'll lend strength to going the right way. It becomes easier to do right the next time. Unfortunately, the same is true for iniquity. When you do wrong, it gets easier to do wrong the next time. And so keep the momentum going in the right direction. Amen. Look at verse number 30. The righteous shall never be removed. Aren't these very similar? This, this little pocket of Proverbs. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not, shall not inhabit the earth. Uh, let's put it this way. The righteous are indestructible. How's that? <laughs> the righteous are indestructible. <clears throat> Look, we know, we, we know who wins. Amen? We, you know, we, we've, uh, Christ already won the war, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus told us this. He said, occupy till I come. He's already conquered. This is his kingdom. This is his world. We're just occupying forces. Amen? And uh, he's coming to set up his government. But, uh, but we're here between now and then. But, but we know who won. We know who, who, who won. And Christ won when he rose from the dead. Amen? The righteous shall never be removed. Proverbs 2.8 says it this way. He preserveth the way of his saints. Let me give you an example of this. And I know saints and uh, the Jewish people are not the same. But God's chosen people, the Jewish people, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, God came to Abraham. And he said, I'll make of you a great nation. He said, those that bless you, I'll bless. Those that curse you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, we've all been blessed by the seed of Abraham. We got our Bible through the Jewish people. Amen. Our Savior came through the Jewish lineage. Amen. And one day, Jesus is going to set up his throne in Jerusalem. Amen. The throne of, he's going to rule and reign from the throne of David in Jerusalem. 
And uh, uh, Mark Twain, we would not consider a, you know, a, a, a deacon material. <laughs> but he was a very witty. He was a brilliant man, actually. And somebody asked him, said, Mark Twain, how, how do you argue for the existence of God? How do you know there's a God? And here's what he said. It's easy. The immortal Jew. He went on later to write about it in uh, a, a essay he wrote titled Concerning the Jews. wrote it in 1899. Listen to what he said. If statistics are right, the Jews constitute but 1% of the human race. It suggests a nebulous, dim puff of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. Properly, the Jew ought hardly to be heard of, but he is heard of, has always been heard of. He's as prominent on the planet as any other people, and his commercial importance is extravagantly out of proportion to the smallness of his bulk. His contributions to the world's lists of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine, and learning are also a way out of proportion to the weakness of his numbers. He has made a marvelous fight in this world in all the ages and has done it with his hands tied behind him. He could be vain of himself and be excused for it. The Egyptian, the Babylonian, and the Persian rose filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and Roman followed and made a vast noise and they're gone. Other people have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out and they sit in twilight now or have vanished. The Jew saw them all, beat them all, and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert and aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jew. All other forces pass, but he remains. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? I wonder why. Genesis 12, 1 and 3. (laughs) Yeah. God said, I'm going to look after. I'm going to preserve my people. By the way, I do not believe in replacement theology. If you know what that is, some people believe that the, the church today in this age has replaced God's plan for the Jews. I don't believe it. Don't believe it for a minute. God has an eternal plan for His chosen people. And yes, they are in a, 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 a they, yes, they are apostate, by and large, as a nation are apostate from God, but there's a revival coming in the end times. 144,000 young Jewish men are going to spread out all over the world, and, uh, and, and, and many, many are going to be saved, and they're going to see their Savior, and they're going to believe upon Him, and God has a plan for the Jewish people. Amen. The, 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 the most, uh, uh, detrimental foreign policy that any nation could ever have is to turn themselves against the Jewish people. Because God said, if you curse them, I'll curse you. And so you're missing, you're missing with God. Um, and by the way, the same could be said with God's people. Um, the, the martyrdom of Christians. Do you see that? It was on the news the last day or two. Uh, Egyptian, uh, they, burn, they burn a Egyptian pastor. They burn him alive in his own church, and 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 it's just it's horrific. More people are well, there's more people on the earth, but there's more people dying, being martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ right now than any other time in human history. 
And uh, But anyway, God has preserved his people. He preserves his people. The righteous shall never be moved. Amen? Amen. Never be moved. When we set up that kingdom, when God sits up his throne <clears throat> and uh, in Jerusalem during that thousand-year millennial reign, it won't be communism. It won't be socialism. Uh, it, won't be, it won't be a republic or democracy. It'll be a theocracy. Amen? Jesus will be in charge. And he has perfect, perfect justice. Verse number 31. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. That's kind of a graphic way to say it, isn't it? But liars will not be trusted. That's it. Liars will not be trusted. Liars will not be trusted. Look, young people, look at me. If you think it's okay to lie to your teacher, lie to your mom, lie to your dad, to your own advantage, I got news for you. You're going nowhere. You, you, cannot, you cannot do that. Are you listening to me? You cannot do that and not be found out. Okay? You can't do that. You do that and you will be found out. You say, well, I got back with it for a little while. To your own detriment, you got by with it. You know the best thing that could ever happen to you if you lie? Listen to me. You know what the best thing could ever happen to you? Get caught. And if you get caught, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't add goofiness on top of it. You know, if you lie, just, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, whatever. Take your lumps. They're like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, we're not complete idiots. Sometimes you think, what are you thinking? But I know. I guess I did it too as a kid. Did I do it as a kid? Okay, never mind. Actually, I know I did. I know that my last spanking was for lying. Not last week. I just come take him, bind him hand and foot, <laughs> cast him in outer darkness. But I had got in trouble at school. I got called out of the principal's office. The principal asked me about what I did, and I lied about it. And I uh, thought I got by with it. Went back to class. Nothing was said. Oh, after I met with the principal and lied to the principal, he said, your dad wants to see you in his office. And dad was a, he was the pastor at the time. And there was a, uh, like a little covered walk between the school building and the church building. So... So I walked over to my dad's office, and he said, son, I got this report. Uh, is that true? And I was like, no, no, dad, no, me? No, no way. You know. <laughs> and so he said, okay, you're being honest with me. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. And so anyway, he sent me back to class, and I thought that was good. Nothing was brought up about it that night. Supper went fine. Everything went fine. You know, family prayer time. Everything was good. Went to bed. Got up the next day, went to class, got called out of class again, go back to the principal's office. Got down to the principal's office, and the uh, principal said, I want to ask you the same thing I asked you yesterday. And I started to say, why do you want to? I already answered yesterday. Well, let's talk about something else. Uh, but he said, I want to ask you again what I asked you yesterday. He said, but before you answer, I just want you to know I have a witness in the next room prepared to come in here. I said, I didn't know somebody saw me. <laughs> so I fessed up, and he said, uh, and he said, well, he said, we'll have, you know, we'll have to be some punishment. He said, but before we do anything else, your dad will see in his office. Ooh. Mercy. It's like a death sentence. 
So I went, I was in eighth grade, and so I said, well, I'm going to head to my dad's office. But on the way to my dad's office, there's a, there's a boy's bathroom just right there across the way. So I stopped by the boy's bathroom and went in the stall and stuffed. I, I was about that big around. I'm not kidding. I was skinny as a rail. I was skinnier than Brother Matt. Anyway, and I stuffed my I stuffed my little pants with as much toilet paper as I could get in there. And uh, that, that's how smart, that's how smart eighth grade liars are. Anyway, but anyway, I stuffed my, stuffed my pants full. And so I went over there. And dad said, okay, son. And I, we had a little discussion about, and he told me, I'm disappointed, Jesus, but more disappointed that you lie. All right, son, big old desk there. Put your hands on the desk. And uh, he got his, his belt. It's time to get my licks. And he started in, whap, whap, whap. And he stopped. And I'm like, I know he's not done. And a little piece of that toilet paper worked his way up. <laughs> he said, son, what is this? Ay, ay, ay. He's, he's pointing at the bathroom. I went in and took it out, and we, we started over. I think we went longer than we would have. But anyway, but i tell you something. It really made an impression on me. It really did. Uh, sorry. A lasting impression. Okay. Tell the truth. Amen. Tell the truth. Liars will never be trusted. You won't get promotions. Um, anyway, verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness, crooked. Now, the word know there means to ascertain by seeing, and the, the connotation of the word know is that you gain your knowledge by observation, and that's an important little nuance to this word. The lips of the righteous know, they watch, they've paid attention, and by observation... They have learned what is acceptable. Let me give you a synonym for the word acceptable, and that's the word appropriate. So here's our statement. Learn to be appropriate. Learn to be appropriate. Now, how do you learn to be appropriate? By paying attention. By watching the right people. By by keeping your eyes open and learning. Um, Young people, you need to learn to watch the right people. Learn to watch the right people. Um, and, and let me say this. If you, if you happen to be a single mom and you're rearing a son by yourself, um, point him to men. And say, son, watch that man. Watch the way that man walks. Watch the way that... Look, listen to me carefully. Boys do not need maternal instinct. And if they have it, it's to their detriment. They need, they need to watch the men. They need to learn from the men. They need to pattern their behavior, their emotions after the men. That's how you become a man. Now, boys, if you have a little touch of that in your life, you take what I said. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. But if you've got a little touch of that in your life, you, you listen to what Pastor told you tonight. Don't, don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't love your mom. I'm not saying you should protect your mom. But you need to act like your dad, not your mom. Young men, listen to me. You need to act like your dad, not your mom. Amen? Now, how do you do that? You do it on purpose. You do it on purpose. You watch them. There's not a young man in this world with a little bit of that maternal instinct or maybe a little feminine shade to his behavior, listen to me, who couldn't watch a man who carries himself like a man and say, 
I'm going to do that same thing. But listen, what does it take? You have to pay attention. You have to watch and observe the right kind of people. Look, do you know who makes the clothes at the mall? Do you know where they come from? Yes, that's correct, Keegan. He said the gay people, and he's right. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) He stole my thunder, didn't he? He's exactly right. You, you have never seen that man right there in skinny pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you, what, what? you say, oh, man, it's the fad. Who created the fad? Boy, everybody... And that's what you want to do? You want to be like everybody? Have you walked through public places of late and looked at everybody? And that's what you want that's what you want to copy? <clears throat> learn to be appropriate. Watch, observe, and learn to be appropriate. Learn learn how to behave. Listen. Learn how to behave. You know. <laughs> How many of you, when you was a kid, got pinched in church? Hey, you got an evil eye in church? Stink eye. Yeah, okay. Uh, so many things in this day and age have become acceptable that, that are not appropriate. They ought to be unacceptable for God's people. Now, young people, listen. You need to learn how to... You need to you need to learn how to behave in church. Let me give you a little hint. Do you know that if you can see me, I can see you? Did you know that? And let me say this. This is, I'm trying to be unkind. But I would never treat some of you the way you treat me when I speak to you. Never. I wouldn't do it. I would never be as rude to you as you are to me when I speak to you. Now, that's a very small minority. You wouldn't, I hope you wouldn't do it one-on-one. But, look, you need to learn how to behave. You're in church. Why are we in church? Well, we don't have anything else to do, that's why. No, we're here because of this book right here, amen? Yes. Like, it's not me, it's not about me. I'm, I'm just like you. But, I, but, but, but this, this desk, this office, is a God-appointed office. This is a God-appointed means of communicating truth to your minds and hearts. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Everybody ought to be in. Everybody ought to be focused on what's going on. Everybody be dialed in and listening. Now, if you don't learn to be appropriate, you're going to lose opportunities. You say, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Look, they won't always tell you why you didn't get the job. 
They're not always going to tell you why you didn't get the promotion. But I got news for you. The, the young men and the young ladies who know how to be appropriate, who know how to carry themselves, who know how to look folks in the eye, who know how to speak to adults, who know what dec- common decency and respect is and how to treat people, those young people will be noticed because, quite frankly, they're becoming so rare. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. The just common decency and respect for one another and knowing how to listen and stop your talking and focus on someone else and listen to what they have to say and speak to an older person and listen to what they have to say. It's just about gone. So when someone has just... Just common decency and courtesy and respect for authority and knows how to be appropriate, you'll get noticed. You'll get noticed. By the way, Joseph was 18 years old. 18 years old running Potiphar's household as a slave. Can you imagine? What the paid employees that had been there for years must have thought about that. How would you feel if you worked 30 years at the same job and all of a sudden they promote an 18-year-old to be your boss? You'd be like, ain't no 18-year-old. No wonder they colluded with Potiphar's wife to get rid of him, by the way. But there was something about that young man that he, it got him noticed. And young people, if if you'd be honest and decent and clean and pure and respectful and go around with the Spirit of God bubbling over out of your soul instead of bitterness or whatever else or lust or something like that, just get God's Spirit bubbling over. I'm telling you something. God preserves such an one. God makes a way for such an one. And you'll gain momentum in life. Amen. Learn to be appropriate. Uh, learn, 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 Learn how to dress appropriately. For different occasions. Learn how to uh, speak to different kinds of people. Learn how to relate to different kinds of people. You know, I appreciate uh, When I was a boy, my dad made hospital visits, nursing home visits, visited bus routes, uh, shut-in visits, uh, visit uh, homes of members. I didn't know I was in training. I didn't think about it. It's just what we did, you know, and we'd go along with it. But I learned how to talk to so many, many different people. And I thank the Lord for that. Uh, let's go to the next verse. Here we go. We're in chapter number. Oh, by the way, let me say one more thing about that appropriate business. Being appropriate is also knowing when to laugh and when not to laugh. That's a, that's a valuable lesson for any young person. Learning when to laugh and when not to laugh. And just because you think something funny doesn't, think, doesn't mean it's time to laugh. And certainly, if uh, if you laughed about the wrong things. Here we are in chapter number 11. Here we go. Chapter number 11, verse 1. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, uh, chapter 11 uh, is a, a, a primarily a continual comparison between righteousness and wickedness. Just like the verses before, very similar verses fall in... Uh, in uh, 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 concession there, uh, one after another, and um, and so uh, many of these will speak about righteousness or or wickedness or words that uh, are synonyms of those words, 
And so uh, we begin with verse 1 again, a false balance. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Let me give you this statement, and I'm going to read a couple Old Testament passages for you. God hates dishonest business dealings. God hates dishonest business dealing. The word ab- dealings. The word abomination means it, it makes God sick. That's what it means. And the balance is as a measure is a uh, is a it's like a scale. It's a form of measurement. Uh, I'm reading to you now from Leviticus in chapter 19, verses 35, six and seven. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard. That's like our yardstick in weight or in measure, just balances, just weights, a just ephah. That's equivalent to about three, three to five bushels uh, of dry goods for us. And a just hen, H-I-N, that's somewhere between four quarts and six quarts, equivalent to us, you shall have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord." Now, though, though we don't use these measurements, we have some idea of their their value. The hen had a value, an exact value. The ephah had an exact value for the Hebrew people. And what God is saying is this, a pound for a pound. That's what he's saying. He said, you know, uh, some of these uh, crooked business people would have, um, they would have uh, a set of weights. They have a scale here, for example. And we're going to get a pound of whatever this spice, and so he'd reach out and get his one-pound weight. If somebody came in, looked like they had a little bit more money, he'd come and get another pound weight. It was a little less than a pound. And so it would take uh, a little more of the spice to counterbalance. You understand that? Meaning he'd have to buy more, meaning the crooked merchant would get a little bit more money. Now, God says that is abominable to me. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 25, the Bible says, Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers' weights, different kinds of weights for the scale, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house divers' measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. For all that do such things and all that do unrighteously are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. God detests dishonest business dealings. He detests it. He hates all forms of cheating. Cheating on a test, he hates. Crooked business dealings, he hates. Bribes. Dishonesty on our taxes. He hates. Amen. <laughs> Stealing small items and not returning them. God hates. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was called what? Honest Abe. And it started in uh, uh, New Salem, Illinois, when he was a, a, a clerk at a, at a store, just a young man. And... Uh, uh, as the story goes, someone came in the store, made a purchase, and he realized after they left that he had shortchanged them and had not given them enough change. And the amount was pennies. And Lincoln ended up walking several miles, shut to close the store, walked several miles to return the penny or two or whatever it was, and came back. 
his wife would later say, uh, she didn't use the word fastidious. The word she used, I didn't know what it means, except I know what she was saying. But my husband is fastidious about this honesty thing. I mean, honest. In other words, he was meticulous about being honest. You remember the little Aesop fable? The little boy that was up in the hills and uh, thought he'd get everybody's attention in town. He's kept a sheep. Remember that? And he cried, wolf, wolf! And all the townsmen came running up the hill to guard the sheep, get rid of the wolf. And the little boy chuckled. False alarm. He did that two or three times, right? And then finally a wolf came and he cried, wolf, 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 and nobody came. Nobody came. And he lost his sheep. There's an old folk tale of a, of a dad who got his little girl in the dark of night and he said, uh, he says, harvest time. And he said, I'm, I'm just going to take a, a little bit from each neighbor. And he said, I want you to stand guard. Well, they, they won't miss it, just be a little bit. And I get back, it'll be a nice little stash. And, uh, and uh, he said, now, daughter, you stand here and watch from the edge of the field. If you see somebody coming, then, then, then you, you alert me and you, you let me know. And uh, if, if anybody could see me. And so he went out in the first field. He's gathering up some wheat, stealing it from his neighbor. And the little girl said, Father, someone sees you. And he stopped, ducked around like that. And snuck out, went on to the next field, gathered up some field. And she went over there and said, Father, someone sees you. Same thing again. He's looking. He can't see anybody. But he goes out of the field, goes over there, get up some wheat. And she cries, Father's four times. Father, someone sees you. And finally he got frustrated with her and he had quite a bundle. He came back. He said, I didn't see anybody. What are you talking about? She said, someone up above sees you. You know, can I tell you something? Parents, it is not a joke to teach your kids to lie. It's not a joke. I'm amazed sometimes. It's not a joke to train your children to lie. Do you understand that's going to go with them the rest of their lives? My brother bought a uh, car warranty and uh, paid for it. You know, was paying for it regular, and then uh, and then had a had a engine issue, and so he turned in his claim to his uh, to his uh, warranty, only to find out that he had been scammed, and for a year had been sending whatever it was, hundred bucks or something like that. For this warranty, but never fear, it happened to many, many people, and and the folks have been uh, were, were working out of New Jersey that scammed everybody. So the state of New Jersey took up the case and sued them, and kept eighty percent for legal fees and gave twenty percent to the people who suffered the loss. <laughs> hey, 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 true story. Uh, she might not remember this, but. Years ago, Miss Carol uh, took her car in to get an alignment. And when they put it up on the, to, to, to do the alignment, I, one of the guys came from the back and said, Ma'am, your shocks are terrible. They have to be replaced. She said, That's funny. My husband just replaced them a few weeks ago. <laughs> Needless to say, they didn't go back to that garage. <laughs> Look at verse number two. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Here, just write this out. Pride is shameful. Pride is shameful. 
Probably what got Satan kicked out of heaven, isn't it? This is a sobering illustration, but I want to read it to you. Uh, on maybe a month or two ago, I uh, I uh, I read this. I don't have any, any idea who it is, but this dear brother was willing to to write, and I think what he has written will be helpful to people. But here's what he wrote, and, and his name was not revealed, and but he did it. Uh, to be a help to others. Four years ago, my wife left me. As a man in full-time ministry, not much else can derail your life like being rejected by your spouse. I could fill pages explaining my story, but instead of going through all the details and trying to prove anything, I want to simply share with you the lessons that I learned through this trial. Lesson number one, we are not as great as we think we are. And it's sobering, isn't it? The verse he quotes is Proverbs 11.2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. He continued on in this very transparent article. The truth is we need to get knocked down sometimes. When everything's going well and we are accomplishing big things, we start to subtly get arrogant and depend on ourselves instead of depending on God. I had a measure of influence. I was given the opportunity to preach in some large churches and rub shoulders with some of the big names. He has in quotes there. Nothing wrong with that influence, but boy, is it easy to start thinking we have it all figured out. My wife leaving me revealed some areas that needed work in my life that I would never have noticed without being knocked down. The blessings of trials, this is a great statement, the blessings of trials is that it brings humility and increased dependence on God. That's a sobering article, isn't it? H.A. Ironside said about this verse, lowliness of mind is an indication of true witness. See the last part of that verse? With the lowly, is wisdom. Can I tell you something? Wise people are not cocky. Wise people are not know-it-alls. The truth is this, the wise people, the Bible talks about two different times. The Bible talks about what wisdom being like a deep well, like deep waters. But wise people know how to go down in the well and draw it out. The truth is the best wisdom is not on the surface. And, and I'm not saying you can't take advice from anybody. And I'm not saying that um, um, I, I think you should be careful about giving advice when it's not wanted. I think you do more harm than good when you give advice that's not wanted. Wise people will seek for advice. But, but the best advice, you have to, you have to ask questions. Because sometimes wise people are not going to give you their best stuff unless they know you really want it. Sometimes... So wise people are pretty good at kind of knowing, does this person really want to know or do they want a stamp of approval on what they're already going to do? There's a big difference. But the lowly, with the lowly, is wisdom. And so uh, you stepping on someone else trying to make yourself look better. There's no wisdom in that, and it won't work in the long run. Those are fools that do that. Verse number 3 says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them. But the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Verse number three, write this statement. Integrity should guide our affairs. Integrity should, should guide 
our affairs. Do you know what? Uh, integrity is your, is your character. It's your sense of right and wrong. It's, it's being honest and straightforward and doing the right thing. The, the cheater, listen again, the cheater will eventually self-destruct. The, the guy that cuts corners in his business will eventually cut himself out of business. The guy that misses the quote because he won't compromise his integrity will probably clean up after the guy who got the job the first time and go back and fix what the other guy could. Uh, you remember this? It's, I don't know how. It's probably been three or four years ago, maybe longer. But a New Jersey, 17-year veteran New Jersey public school teacher who taught several classes, including English. He, got, he went to college on a, on a, on a, on a sports, true He went to college on a sports scholarship and taught, had a 17-year teaching degree and taught English and he couldn't read and write. That's not a, that, that's not a joke. It's a, that's true. He couldn't read and write. Now, anyway, the best way is the hard way. Amen? Honesty and hard work will pay off. And I believe this. I believe in a society where everybody says, I, I want my rights. And, you know, I think... I got two thoughts going. Everybody wants their rights, and I've not been treated fairly. You have character and integrity. It's going to show up. Time and chance happeneth to them all, the Bible says. And one of the things that little verse in Ecclesiastes means is time will tell. We say it that way, time will tell. If you are honest and you're worthwhile, it'll, 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 it'll bear out over time. If you're not, that'll bear out over time as well. And uh, um, I think there was, at, at a time in our country... I think there probably was in, 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 in the world, I guess, even you might say, there was a time where the union philosophy had great good and helped bring people out of poverty that were not being treated well, who, who, who didn't have basic rights as a worker ought to have. But those days are long gone. Long gone. And uh, we, we are blessed to live in a free country. And we have child labor laws and a lot of other things. The, 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 the union mentality. I have worked at one, two, three union shops. And, of course, that was all in my college career. Three different union shops. And I found it seemed like the more money a guy made, the lazier he was and the harder he was to get along with. The happier guy was a guy who wasn't making here so much of that. Now, I'm not saying everybody that works union job is, is heathen. I'm just saying they're almost heathen. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the philosophy, the philosophy. Uh, you, you, listen, <laughs> you ought to be promoted for something other than how long you've been there. Now, that ought to be recognized. I agree. I, I, faithfulness ought to be awarded. But it ought to have something to do with integrity and competence and ability and continued self-improvement. That ought to have something to do with it, too. And the idea that the guy who's been here the longest and leaned on the broom the longest should get the best pay, that's not a biblical concept whatsoever. And I think it bears out in this verse. Let's look at one more, verse number four, and we'll finish. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivereth 
from death. Ezekiel 7 and verse 19 uh, says this, and it's talked about the final desolation of Israel. They shall cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. He, he, he hearkens to the time when Israel will be ransacked and destroyed, and those wealthy, those wealthy uh, Hebrews, their money didn't do them any good. Their coins were clink, clink, clink down the street. And it brought them no security. Here's the, here's the statement. Riches do not bring lasting security. Riches do not bring lasting security. The day of wrath could mean rough days in the future. And may I say, because we're living in a sinful, broken world, there's rough days coming to my life. There's rough days coming to your life, right? We hope not like generations before I've seen, but we might have some of the roughest that's been around in a few centuries, I guarantee you, the way things seem to be going. Faith is not the absence of wise business dealings, and it's certainly not the absence of the wisdom of laying up for the future, because the Bible certainly teaches that principle. But faith is doing the right thing, even if it is not the most financially advantageous thing to do. Faith is doing the right thing, even though it may not be the most advantageous thing for you financially. I think I'd rather have God say, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. Amen? That doesn't mean be wasteful and say, well, I'm a Christian. God's going to take care of me. Uh, No, but it does mean don't put your confidence in a dollar bill. Okay. Well, we had fun tonight.